As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Future Role Model, a podcast that praises the unconventional and redefines what it means to be a role model. And today I have the amazing TK Kelly. What is up? On the podcast. Dude, I was just telling Paul this before we started, but we, the first couple of years I lived in LA, we saw each other every day, I feel like. Yeah. We were always on the same shows. Always. You had your show at, Com- where was that? Comedy Store? Well, I had another one before that. The one that. on Wilshire. I had one at Busby's. Busby's, that's what I was thinking. I had one at Comedy Store, and I also had one, I think you did one of the first ones I did before I even lived in LA when I ran it at Culver City at the place Rush Street. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. With like the up top, right? Yeah. I yeah. knew like 10 comics in LA and you were one of them. So I put you on everything that I ran. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I but yeah, so we cool. used to see each other all the time. And then now, you know, it had gone, I don't know how many years had gone by since we had ran into each other, but probably like three years. Yeah. I but think that's so. just, we're old now. That three years is nothing. It's I know. like the blink of an eye and you're like, oh, that right. was yesterday. It yeah. was yesterday in comedy time. Yeah, exactly. So what's been up? Talk to me about uh, life, career. Life and career. Uh, I, I still am a writer on Tosh.0. How long have you been with them now? I've been there for five and a half years and been a staff writer for two. Okay. So I started out as their blogger, did that for about three years and then moved up. up to staff writer. Yeah. That's cool. How did you end up getting that job? Uh, somebody I knew at Comedy Central told me they were looking for a blogger and they thought like sense of humor wise, it might be a fit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they just sent my name to them. They had me submit a packet and they liked my packet. So, oh, that's cool. Yeah. That worked out pretty easy. Yeah. Seems it like. was great. <laughs> sounds, I mean, sounds easier than it is. Yeah. Always. After like, <laughs> after like two years of being chronically unemployed and like doing shit comedy gigs everywhere. So yeah, I mean, it, it was easy at that At moment. that moment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But uh, you've been doing your podcast as well, which is why we reconnected. Well, I don't remember where we ran into each other first, but then you, yeah, I was I on can't your remember podcast either. last Something week. just prompted me to to hit you up about the podcast yeah. because I realized it had been forever. Yeah. yeah. We have, uh, it's me and Dwayne Perkins. We do a podcast called Movie Night. It's on the All Things Comedy Network. And basically we just watch a movie every week. We talk about it with the comedian guests. We yep. shit on it if it's bad. We uh, we laugh about it and, and enjoy ourselves if it's good. Yep. Uh, but it's always enjoyable. Ours in was it's Scott fun. Pilgrim versus the world, yeah. which was the first time I'd ever seen it. And, and that's a crazy movie. It is. It's super trippy. So yeah. if anybody has not seen it out there, I recommend. Um, but anyway, so TK, I don't even know. It's because I've talked about this with a lot of friends before, but I don't know a lot about where you're from and stuff. So we're going to get into that stuff and how you got into the whole comedy train, because it's funny how, you know, people in comedy for like seven years, but you fucking don't know what their dad's name is. You you just talk about (laughs) comedy. I I did that. Like we had a guest on the podcast recently and I was like, all right, so you're a Boston guy. And he was like, no, (laughs) I was just like, oh shit. Like I've known you for a minute. And And I totally thought you were from Boston. In my head, I just thought he was from Boston and he was like, nah, I'm from San Jose. (laughs) 
same. Not even close. Same thing. Yeah, people always think I'm from Chicago. Well, yeah. Some people I just let think I'm from Chicago because it's just easier. It's cool. You know how you just don't want to have that intricate conversation with yes. certain people? Yeah, yeah. So Chicago is where I started comedy. So if I know people in a comedy sense, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's where I'm from. Yeah, see, I don't, <laughs> but I don't know where you're from originally. I'm from Wisconsin. There were, yeah, see, I didn't Stoughton, know that. Stoughton, Wisconsin. Shout out to Stoughton. Uh, what about you? I'm from New York. Okay, uh, you are an East Coaster. Yes. I thought you were a Midwest guy for some reason. Uh, it's my body. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Midwest midsection at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a New Yorker. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't feel like I have a heavy New York accent. No. Uh, my parents have it a little more than me, but like my other family, my aunts and uncles, like they sound like they are from Staten Island, which they are. Yeah. Uh, so I was born in Staten Island, but I grew up mostly about an hour and a half north in the Hudson Valley. So a little outside of New York City. Okay. Um, and I think that's why I didn't get the heavy, heavy accent. Probably. Because that's like being from the burbs of Chicago. Like my fiance is from the burbs. Uh-huh. And every time I tell people he's from Chicago, they're like, is he from the burbs or from Chicago? I'm like, the burbs. But you're probably from the burbs too. Like yeah. Nobody's from Chicago. Like barely anybody's from the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, same thing there. Like the Chicago accent's pretty thick too. And people that came from the burbs avoided it. Yeah. And I think for me... Uh, because people always ask me why I don't have a Wisconsin accent, which it comes out in certain it words. It comes that out I when say. you say Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Because I say Wisconsin and you say Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, yeah. And when I say bagel in certain things, people uh-huh. are like, what did you say? I'm yeah. like, bagel? It's a bagel. Yeah. <laughs> but. I I think the Chicago being living in Chicago for five years balanced out my Wisconsin a little bit. Uh-huh. So like they they fought, they fought each other. Yeah, kind of like in Scott Pilgrim versus the World, like the battle of the DJs. <laughs> <laughs> Something has to win out, and it's good that uh, the accent didn't because yeah. that's a rough one. <laughs> exactly. So Staten Island is where you were born, but your family still lives in Staten Island. Uh, a lot of my family does. Yeah. Okay. And so, then I, they've spread out, but a lot of most of them spent most of their lives there. So I didn't even they know have some heavy accents. People lived on Staten Island. Uh, I don't know why they do. <laughs> I mean, is that a, is it? I, I how do I not know this? But I I've played in New York seven times this yeah. year alone. I go there all the time, and I have no idea anything about Staten Island besides well, because, that it houses the Statue of Liberty, right? No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, Wait, it doesn't. Well, no, that's Ellis Liber- Island. Liberty Shit. Island. Oh, that's Liberty <laughs> Island. Uh, Liberty oh, yeah. Island is basically <laughs> just the Statue of Liberty. Like it's it's tiny. Yeah. But Staten Island is you you see the Statue of Liberty <laughs> on the Staten Island ferry. I, I know nothing about American culture. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's the Staten Island ferry is what you're thinking of. That's where you yeah. drive, you go right past uh, on your way to Manhattan. You go right. I didn't past realize the there were that many islands there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and Staten Island is like tucked right next to Manhattan and right on the like right up against New Jersey. Yeah, it's, it's New Jersey. Like it's yeah. basically. New Jersey. It's, yeah, it's like the it's tail the forgotten of New Jersey. borough. Nobody really gives a shit about it. Like <laughs> I know many New Yorkers who have never been to Staten Island. I'm sure it's, it's, it's not there. exactly a I destination. Mean, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a it's a fine place. It's just nobody gives a shit. About it. <laughs> so, what was it like growing up so close to the city? Did you spend a lot of time there? Uh, I didn't spend a ton of time there. My dad was a New York City firefighter. Oh, dang. Uh, for 20 years. So. Mostly when we went to the city, we were going for like a firehouse barbecue or, or the firehouse Christmas party or that sort of thing. I thought that was kind of cool. Like, I loved it. Oh my I gosh. loved like I loved being in New York City. I just yeah. being a kid from upstate, I a lot of my friends hated the city because they were so used to the country and just things going nice and easy. But so there was I don't know, there's something about New York like that. I still feel it when I'm there. I'm like, God, this place is just going yeah. at all times and it feels fucking cool to be there it's and like it magnetic. always felt cool to me as a kid That's, and yeah. I was like jealous that we didn't stay closer to the city uh-huh. um, but I've since wound up spending a ton of time there like when I was in college I would always go into the city yeah. uh, to hang out and then I love going back. I usually go back twice a year or so to do stand up there for like a yep. week or two. Yeah. Where did you go to college outside the city too? Uh, I went to college at Marist. It's upstate New York, a little further upstate than where I was, where I grew up. So it's, but it's still like, it's weird. Everything in New York that's not New York city is referred to as upstate, but New York is fucking massive. And yeah. There are parts of it. I've, <laughs> yeah. ne- I've never seen Buffalo. Like I've never been to up upstate. New I York. forget how big New York is. Cause yeah, I only consider does. it the city. Yeah. And there's not, honestly, there's not much upstate, but mm-hmm. it's big. It's huge. The so furthest. we're like, even where I went to college, 
is considered upstate and that's on a map like very much downstate but it's it's on the <laughs> hudson river it's in a city called poughkeepsie real shithole uh, <laughs> but i went there and then wound up uh not getting any kind of job that i wanted from my degree there so, what was your degree uh it was tv film but it was like it was a small school yeah and i basically like accepted when i went to college i was like i don't have the attention span to give a shit enough about anything else so i'm actually going to try to pursue what I like, which was movies. And You're TV. like the only person but, <laughs> that has actually done TV and film for. <laughs> but like, had I done that, had I thought about that maybe two years before and not gone to that college, like I just went to this college essentially because it was close to home. Yeah. And uh, it, I, I was dating a girl who still lived in my hometown at the time. And it was easy to go back because it was like 45 minutes from sure. where I grew up. Uh, but it was it just didn't make any sense. Like it was this small school where that degree carried no weight at all. Yeah. So I wound up doing some other jobs for a few years and then came out here to go to grad school. Okay. At USC. So you didn't start anything to do with comedy in New York city. No, I started out here. Okay. I was basically, I'd gotten to the point where I stopped doing the jobs that I was doing that I hated regular office jobs that were fucking awful. And, uh, decided I was going to start bartending and applying to grad schools for screenwriting. Mm -hmm. And I figured if I didn't get into any of the schools out here, I'd just move to New York city and start stand up. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to start it, but it was a matter of, was it going to be there or out here? Yeah, exactly. D did, um, how long have you been in LA now? Uh, eight and a half years, I think. Okay. So not that much longer than me. I've been seven. Mm. Did you know, did you know anybody when you came out here or did you have any plans um, as far as, comedy went like did you well I got into grad school so that's why it was like all right I'm gonna move out there and I'm just gonna start stand-up I didn't know anybody in stand-up at all that was just like I just went to an open mic one day and kept going yeah uh and I don't know why looking <laughs> like honestly <laughs> I, know. Like, I know I don't know how <laughs> I kept going like to start did you, you, you started in Chicago. I started in Chicago, but not as stand up. But like the mic scene here is Ugh, fucking brutal. I can't even imagine. You're just shouting into nothingness. It's yeah. like, I think I'm getting good at this. I have no idea. There's no audience. Oh yeah. It's just other comics. The mics here. Cause shit. I haven't been to an open mic in a very, very long time, but, um, good for you. <laughs> but it's the right way to live. Well, I think you just get to a point where you like, I, I put my 10,000 hours in like so long ago. Well, yeah. You get to a point where you understand what you do and don't benefit from. And yeah. some people really do benefit from the open mics yep. and can kind of put aside the shittiness of the environment. Yeah. But like for me, it's like, I felt like they were having a negative effect where yeah. I would, I would associate a new joke with a horrible time on stage. <laughs> so it's like, I wouldn't keep doing it. I'd be like, like, Oh, this joke sucks. And I'm like, well, nobody really saw it. Though. <laughs> right. Exactly. It, it's just a weird thing well, where I started to realize it wasn't serving its purpose in other Like I was, um, was I talking to you guys about this or some, some comics I was hanging out with that didn't know about the Chicago scene. Cause I was talking about the Chicago scene. I can't remember if it was you and Duane or if it was somewhere else, but, I don't think um, so. okay. Sometime in the past week when I've been drinking wine, a.k.a. not drinking, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> is uh, in Chicago, we had we had like traditional mics, but the comics would hang out at them. But they would it was more of a generous comedy crowd. And yeah. I don't know how to describe it, but like if something was really good, everybody would like holler. Mm -hmm. You'd know if it was good. Yeah. And yeah. if it sucked everybody would respond to that too, uh -huh. but it, at least you got, you got a response. Yeah. And that's not to say like that there aren't mics here that are good. Cause there, sure. there are, there are, yeah. there are ones that serve uh, a better purpose than others, yeah. but there are so many that are such a time drain too. Mm -hmm. It's like a three hour mic where you're waiting until you get picked out of the hat. You might go first, you might go last. You get three minutes. And yeah. And if you go last, the first time I ever went up was at the tail tail end of a three hour open mic and there were two people in the room. Uh -huh. And that oh for like God. I don't understand to this day what fucking made me do it a second time. <laughs> because like it was it was good. It went Insanity. It, it went okay. <laughs> like I told the I didn't forget anything, which was all I cared about at yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remembered the whole joke and I got through it. And it seemed to get a couple chuckles from the two people that were in the room. 
But like, enough. looking back now, I'm like, what are you insane? You, you did that and you were like, <laughs> yes. I'm going to keep doing this for we eight more years at least. <laughs> it's madness. Well, and in, uh, in Chicago too, this was one of my favorite places. There was this guy, this wasn't his real name, but Jack Calhoun was the comedy name he went by. Um, he was pretty big in the scene for a while and then he just kind of quit out of comedy. But, um, he had this loft with a bunch of other people. I don't know. I think they were artists too, but it was a huge loft on Lincoln in Chicago, like a warehouse space. And they each had their own room. And then a separate room was this giant room with a stage and a bar. Mm -hmm. So he had an open mic there every Wednesday night Yeah, and they couldn't sell booze because it wasn't late. They didn't have a license, but they could force you to donate a dollar to give you a drink. So, yeah, yeah. but that's so cheap. So we would sit there all night. You could put your name on the lineup like multiple times and get up, like do three spots, yeah. four minutes, five minutes each. And it was packed and we would hang out from like 6 PM until four five, six in the morning That's so and great. do comedy all night. And it, and it was right at the start of my career. And I was like, holy shit, this is really awesome. You can just yeah. sit somewhere all night, get drunk for $15, really drunk, yeah, and like keep working on your shit. This is amazing. I, I'm I'm still very jealous of people who started in scenes that had that sort of thing, or yeah. even just smaller scenes. You you I feel like you can, I, I don't know, there's a flip side to it too. I, I think starting in LA forced me to get better a little faster sure, because it was like, there's no way to get booked. Unless you're good. There's too many good comics here. I yep. mean, this was eight years ago and there's even more now. It's it's yeah. such a boom. It's fucking insane. It's crazy. But uh, it I do feel like it helped me improve and helped me figure out like what kind of jokes I didn't like uh, or weren't going to get me to where I wanted to go. So just like, leave that type of joke behind, whatever. Uh, but when I talk to people who came up in a smaller scene or like Chicago, which is not a small scene, but is like very, I've always heard it's so supportive and, and there's just, you can get a lot done there. Yeah. And plus you have the whole Midwest right around it where you can get shows. Uh, I feel like it's so great to put in the first few years of your career somewhere like that, mm -hmm. because then when you get here, you're just like, you're already fully in motion. You're good to go. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, that's kind of what I, you know, was describing to some people at the improv the other night. I was like, yeah, before because they were like, yeah, you used to run the show at Comedy Store when you moved here. And I was like, no, I didn't live here yet. When I ran that show for like four or five months, I still lived in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And so I just would come out for like once a month, I would come out and just run my show and get to know people. Because yeah. like, you don't know, I didn't know anybody when I first moved here. And and I worked with a lot of the same comics over and over because I only worked at like, you know, C-list clubs. Mm -hmm. So I only met, you know, like I worked with other people that were up and coming and only a couple years in. So yeah. that's all I knew. And then I knew like Dean Del Rey and Justin Martindale. Uh -huh. <laughs> like those were it. That yeah, was all yeah. I had to draw from. So before you moved to LA, like where, what was your upbringing like, or wh what kind of made you feel like TV film comedy was going to be your forte? Uh, it was like fifth grade. I realized I was funny. Okay. And like, do you have a defining moment? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I remembered I made who I thought was the funny kid in the class. I made him laugh. Uh huh. And that made me immediately like, Oh, I want to make him laugh again. Cause I know this guy's funny. Cause my, my dad's <laughs> a funny guy. He was a, a firefighter. Uh, so uh, that work culture is like very, it's like they hanging out with, with each comics. other. Yeah. yeah, just, yeah you gotta yeah. be on top of your shit. Yeah. Uh, and I always admired that, but I was like a very shy kid. So I don't think I ever really tried to be that funny except for like with people I was very comfortable with, like mm -hmm. my, my family. Yeah. Um, I feel like we're far away from each other. I'm but scared. when I realized that it was like, I don't know. After that, I very quickly realized I also didn't care. I did not care about school at all. I, I was okay at it. Uh, I, I got good grades, but you didn't but have to really try. Yeah. It was mostly like, I get this, I get how to do this. And I, I mostly got my shit done because mm -hmm. it was just easier to not be, uh, in trouble. You know, I, I had a stage where it was like, I'm just not going to do my schoolwork. And then I was, wasn't allowed to do anything. Right. So I was like, all right, I guess if I just do this stuff, uh, until fucking high school's over, yeah. they'll leave me alone. But yeah, I knew I just, I had no interest in in being in like an office, which is dumb to say because I totally work in an office now, but doing like <laughs> in a different way. Yes. Though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, for me, it was just realizing. And I think part, part of that was my dad too, like him being a firefighter and, and really enjoying that. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
at least made me realize like you can do something that you really like. You don't necessarily have to do a lot of my friends' dads were in like these jobs that they didn't give a fuck about, but they made money and they raised their family that way. Yeah. Uh, But I think seeing my dad work a job that he liked made me see like, I might as well try and do something similar, you know? Yeah, exactly. There was, there was a time in Chicago because I remember when I was, I was starting comedy and I was teaching dance. I was teaching at this like Fred Astaire dance studio. It was like a ballroom and Latin dancing place, Mm -hmm. but we didn't make like any money. And I only taught for like two months. And then I was looking for something during the day because I wanted to start doing stand-up. And I was like, okay, I got to find an office job. And I went to, I got hired at some place, found some fucking blazer. And I went to this office job and the guy was so obnoxious. It was like a sales job. Yeah. That lunch, we took a break and I just never came back. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> and I never, ever made the mistake of, do, of doing a job like that again. Bartending is the best thing you can do when you're just trying to figure yeah. your shit out. I it's wish I wish I had realized that sooner because coming out of college, it was like, all right, I'm not getting any jobs in TV or film from this degree. I'm not getting enough attention. Mm-hmm. So I just got to take a job. Some friend hooked me up with uh, a financial recruiter position which is essentially a sales job. I'm yeah. calling up people who are, are qualified for a job we're trying to fill. And I say, Hey, we can get you this title and this much pay. If you leave your job and go here, I fucking like poach people. hated it. Yes. Oh yeah. Hated. I mean, I also didn't try at all because I hated it so much and I hated the people who are good at that job yeah. are fucking assholes. Oh, they're horrible. They, it's it's like the best car salesman. Yeah. Like you get why he's good at it, but it's because he's a garbage person. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> awful. Uh, so I, I kind uh. of, I did that for two years at two different places, uh, managed to kind of weasel my way into a very good job as like the VP of hiring at some small financial firm for a year. Mm-hmm. And that is literally like, I did nothing for one year. It was when the economy took a real downturn. So like nobody even cared. They were like, I'm not leaving my job. If I have a job, I'm not leaving it. Yeah. So I just stopped calling people. I had like an office. I would just watch movies in there all day. (laughs) (laughs) I just have like my shoes off and shit. And I was like, maybe this isn't for me. I I just completely, I was just like, I'm just going to ride this wave till they figure it out. (laughs) Uh, a year in, they, they, a guy calls me into his office and he's like, well, uh, I mean, we can't keep you here. I think you know that. And I was like, yeah, I totally haven't done anything. And he's <laughs> like, uh, we looked at the, they gave me a corporate phone, which I exclusively used to pretend I was stalking my best friend. Uh, like I was sending him mysterious texts from a number he didn't know but it had his area code. So I convinced him I was some dude who was stalking him. And that's what I did for a year with my corporate phone. <laughs> oh my God, this is the best. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, this is, this world is not going to work out. So they for looked me. at your account. Could they see all that? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, it appears that you've only been texting one number over and over <laughs> and you haven't made any phone calls. And I was like, yes, I mean, I was like, listen, I don't understand how I got this job. I still put the blame on them because when they interviewed me, <laughs> When they interviewed me, I was like, uh, I was good at interviewing at the time. I could pretend like I was going to put my heart and soul into the job. Yeah. But I was also very upfront with them that I didn't understand the details of what they were doing. Like the kind of recruiting I was doing before that was a little more general. And this was like, they wanted me to be the guy who was finding everybody. I was like, okay, but I don't know anything about finance. You deal in securities. Don't know what that means. Like I was very upfront. They're like, Oh, we'll teach you all that. You'll figure that out. And then they didn't teach me shit. So I was just calling people blind. And like, I, I had some people at first who were like, you don't seem to understand what it is you're talking about. I was like, that is correct. I don't. (laughs) I'm sorry for wasting your time. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about, right? So can you tell me? Can you teach me what these... (laughs) Do you have five minutes? Basically, at the end of that year, it was like, I'm just going to bartend and apply to grad school. And I was good at bartending. I enjoyed it. And the money was good. If you could find the right place, you could make great money. And... I was like, God, I should have been doing this all through college. I should have just done that after college to continue to pursue what I wanted to. Yeah. Uh, it was, if you're listening out there and you're young, just bartend until you figure out what you really want. It's yeah, the best. It is the best. It really is. Cause even, um, I met this Irish dude recently and we grabbed dinner the other night. Cause he, um, cause I'm touring in Europe in the spring. Mm-hmm. So he's going to connect me with some people in Dublin and, 
we were chatting about how, you know, when he first moved to the States, um, he was like, I didn't really have a green card. I didn't know what to do. And I, I knew I had to work in service. It's the only thing you could kind of do yeah. when you're like getting paid under the table. He worked in the Hamptons, mm-hmm. bartended in the Hamptons. Irish guy? In Montauk. Oh, he probably made so much he money. He made 1500 a night. Yeah. 1500 a fucking night. <laughs> there are more. What like, are we doing? It's insane, right? <laughs> If you go to go into Manhattan, like there's a reason every Irish bar has an actual guy from Ireland, young guy from yeah, Ireland working all there. All of them. They make so much fucking money <laughs> because I feel like women love them. Yeah. And the guys, like, we all think they're so cool just because they're from Ireland. Like, if you're drinking in an Irish bar, you're like, you want to buddy up to the Irish bartender. It's some exactly. weird instinct we have well, to like, if anybody, take my money, sir. Yeah. If anybody with an Irish accent hands me anything to drink, I will drink it. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> They're like, this is the best thing you've ever. Ha- I can't do the accent, but <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna sound like a like a hodgepodge of Scottish, Irish, and like a drunken German man. <laughs> None of my European accents are like l- legit one accent. They're like four yeah, mixed together. Especially like if you try to do it for too long, you can do like one word. Unless but if you I'm, try to say a whole sentence, it sounds like three different. Yeah. Accents. <laughs> if I just try to pull an accent like out of my ass, it just comes out like five of them. And I and I've actually been in Europe and pretended to be from another country in Europe before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long story. Uh, <laughs> I used to do that in New York. I thought yeah. it was funny to like, I would try and see if I could convince the Irish bartender that I was also from Ireland. Yeah. And I would just go as would long it, as I could until he was like, no, you're obviously not, not Irish. <laughs> and it didn't take him very long. I catch myself doing that when like I'm being served by a British per Like I mimic the accent on accident just because like, I love the accent. Just, just and to it insult them. it makes me sound like <laughs> yeah, a horrible probably, person. Like, like this fucking I, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, hello. And I'm like, oh, hello. <laughs> oh, hello to you too. <laughs> I will so be bad. spitting in your food. But I, but if I'm, if I spend time in a country, then I can mimic the accent. If I'm like saturated yeah, yeah. in it, I'm good at that. But if it just, if I just try to recreate it out of nowhere, it's like trying to draw, like I can draw if I'm looking at something, mm-hmm. but I can't draw, draw out from of memory. my memory. Yeah. yeah. Same shit. Um, <laughs> anyway, bartending, where, where did we live off? Um, when you were in, High school, college, did you party? Did you do anything I did. obscure? Okay, let's talk about that. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I uh, come from a family of drinkers. Amazing. <laughs> a very Irish <laughs> fire department family, so yeah. that's how it goes. Uh, not complaining. I, I still enjoy a good drink, mm-hmm. uh, but in college, yeah, it was out of control. I was Dude. just, I mean, looking back to legitimately think about the amount of time I spent there that I forgot. Mm-hmm. It's absurd. I know. I was I was there for four years, and I think like, especially the last two years, I, I don't know, five nights a week, I was shit faced. <laughs> yeah, at least it, yeah. <laughs> there's so many. I destroyed my body. <laughs> I had uh, Craig Lowe on here uh-huh. a couple episodes ago, and he was saying how his two years in New York, he just doesn't even think he was actually there because yeah. like he doesn't remember any of it. Well, that's the thing in New York too, is like even, <laughs> even upstate where I was uh, in college, everything is open until four. Yeah. And it's just, it's not good for people. No, you shouldn't be. No, <laughs> like, nobody should be nothing. Nobody should be out past two. Like people that come here to LA get annoyed that things do shut down. I was, at so, I was so annoyed at first. Me too. And then I quickly realized like, this makes sense. No, this and is it's perfect. Because, like, because now, you know, a, on a product productivity level, if it's like midnight and somebody hits me up to go out, I'm just not going to. No, because, because I'm like, they're oh, going to call last call in like what 40 am I going to get a soft buzz and then yeah, go yeah. home wanting to drink more and <laughs> exactly. then just sit up watching Shark Tank by myself, <laughs> killing a bottle of wine. That's not what I want to do with my life. Yeah, um, but I do it. Um, but in Chicago, like I lived across the street from this uh, 4 a.m. bar Yoxies. Mm-hmm. It was on Diversity and uh, Clark, and um, I my window looked down on it. And I knew all the neighborhood peeps and all yeah. the regulars, all the bartenders would go there at night. So it'd be like 2.30 in the morning and somebody would be screaming and throwing shit at my window. And I'd peek out and they'd be like, come down. Yeah. I, I 90% of the time I went to this bar, I was in a robe or my pajamas. Like my, <laughs> I have not changed as a person as far as how often I wear bathrobes. Yeah. And I would go and drink there. So within, within 40 minutes, you know, they'd, they'd hand me like seven shots of Jameson. I'd be shit faced yeah, it's from such a thirty to four. It like, seems <laughs> like such a minor difference, but just, I mean, if you go out at any kind of, even say like 
I'd go out to a bar in New York at 11. We'd leave for the bar at 11. Yeah. That's still, and, and obviously you'd have been drinking before then oh, too. Oh, sure. Especially in college, like you're trying to save money. So Always. you'd start drinking at the house and then you'd wait to go out until that time. And then you've got five hours more at a bar mm-hmm. where you are, you're fucking drunk when you get there. Yeah. So like oh, yeah. by the time you leave, you're you're just blacked out. Yeah. It was awful. And I hated it too. That was one thing that I, I'm not sure how I did it for so long because I would get really frustrated when I blacked out because I would wake up in the morning and I, if I didn't remember what I did, I'd be like, God fucking damn it. Why does that happen? Yeah. And I hated it because more often than not, I'd hear some shitty asshole thing that I did or said. <laughs> and, and when I came to LA, like I, it just doesn't happen. It, that's not, I don't get the opportunity. I think also I, I tempered how much I drink. Yeah. But in college, you just go hard all night. Yeah. As I, long as they'll let you. I rem- I black, I used to black out all the time. I don't know how, I don't know how, but thank the Lord. I always just ended up at home by myself next to food. Yeah. Like, I usually got home. I never yeah. really, I didn't have any, uh, situation. My roommate would like he'd get lost, and <laughs> yeah, he would I have like like that. That just like go. And I, I I'd, <laughs> I'd find him at like he he'd get there, but he would go the wrong way. He came home one night. He had a suit jacket on for whatever reason, and I found him on the couch the next morning, still in that suit jacket. His pants were covered in mud, and the suit jacket was all shredded because oh he had God. gotten caught on a fence. Oh my god! And it was like I never I didn't tend to do that, or when I did that, I was always lucky that I was with somebody who wasn't as bad. Yeah. He, he, my roommate a few times, he was usually the guy who was wandering off, but he would keep me in order too. If I got too out of line, he'd usually get me home or whoever else I was with. So I was lucky in that, but I had some weird, weird uh, blackouts. I just came to one time. I, I, I remember I went to a party the night before the Super Bowl, and I, uh, I was, up all night, didn't go to sleep at all. Mm-hmm. Went straight to work a daytime shift at a bar. Amazing. Uh, as a waiter. And then got to leave right before the Super Bowl started to go back to my college and immediately went out and drank for the entire Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I came to and I was like in a gas station and the guy, <laughs> the guy oh was God. like, like the guy behind the counter was like, you have to fucking leave. Like, I don't think I had destroyed anything, but I think I was so out of it. He was worried I was going to like die on his property. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I walk out of this gas station and I'm in not a good part of town. Poughkeepsie's not a nice town. Like the college is great, but anywhere but outside, outside of, of it, it is trash. awful. And, uh, <laughs> Sorry, Poughkeepsie. I call, though they know. Uh, <laughs> and I called this friend of mine who I had uh, known for maybe five, six months. And thank God she was a total sweetheart and like came and got me. She could tell I was just out of sorts. I didn't know where I was. And I was like, I just like described it and she knew and she came and got me and Mm -hmm. like took me to some party that I don't remember at all. And this was all like, I don't know where I was before that. I don't know what, I I don't know when I got split up from my roommate. I don't know how I got to this gas station. Like lots of gaps where I'm like, I hope I didn't commit any fucking crimes. (laughs) I, I just re- it's it's a very frustrating thing, especially yeah. when you embarrass yourself. You do something oh, yeah. awful, and then you you have to be like, eh, I guess that's who I am when I'm blacked out. Well, and there was this um, I've, I've talked about Curiosity, the app on this podcast, so many times because I read like there's like updates every day about something in science or whatever. And um, the one that came up a couple days ago was your drunk self is your real self. Oh, and God. I was like reading the whole thing and I was like, oh no. I think I think is, that that's, but your I've drunk self is peed, not your blackout drunk self. Right. No, your blackout drunk self is an alien. Yes. That, like, th- that is like your <laughs> brain is reduced to that of a toddler. Yeah. You act completely on impulse. Yeah. And you do shit that you would just never, even <laughs> drunk. Like, like I've always been able to hold my alcohol. Me too. Thank you, Irish DNA. <laughs> but uh, it, it was like when, when that would happen, I wouldn't physically get hurt. Usually I wouldn't, I wasn't like a guy who fell over. One of my best friends would just fall. I was a faller. Like as hard as anyone (laughs) could fall. I mean, I have seen this guy take some spills that were just, I don't know how he ever recovered, but luckily that wasn't me, but it was always, I would just, I would do or say something to somebody that they were like, what the fuck dude? Like, what is your problem? And I'm like, Oh, I just do that when I black out. I'm just awful. I go from being like a, I think a pretty generally nice guy to just being the shittiest dude. (laughs) 
I was, uh, I used to always, and I think, I think this was one of my early jokes, like one of my first, first jokes, but I would re-examine my bruises and my cuts and like where things were tipped over in my house and try to, to figure solve out like, yeah, like That's clues. Funny. Yeah. But I used to hurt myself a lot. And then I got really good at self-healing my, like healing myself. Cause I didn't have health insurance for yeah. a long time. And I straight up broke my hand in Chicago during the Super Bowl. This would have been probably like eight or nine years ago. I had, I was crossing the street. I had a football helmet that held beers mm -hmm. and I always would go out on certain special occasions and wear a blank wife beater and carry a bunch of markers with me and let strangers draw on me. Okay. And I became <laughs> friends with the cops in Chicago because they drew on me once. So I bet I, they did. I have a picture. I have a picture. The cops were like, oh, we'll fucking draw yeah. on you. <laughs> I have a picture. It's one of my favorite pictures ever. Because uh, I'm like, I'm, I've got you guys. If you ever try to get me for anything, I have this picture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I tripped on a median and landed, my hand landed on the median, oh. the crack of the median. I just heard it go snap. And I, and I remember it hurting, but I was just like, you know what? I definitely broke that, but I can't go to the doctor. And I was hammered and I just went into the Walgreens on the corner and bought an arthritis brace. And I just wore, oh, yeah. just wore that for through. six weeks. And you guys, my hand is just fine. You know? <laughs> it's like nine years ago, I'm kicking, I'm kicking. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh. <laughs> I once was trying to slide across the sidewalk, like surf it when it was icy. Uh -huh. And oh, that's uh, always smart. I mean, it slammed <laughs> my head in a way that was like absolutely a concussion. And then immediately it was like, all right, I'm going to hit the hay. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to go to bed and hope I don't die. Yeah. We're lucky we're alive. Yeah. I mean, you, you get through, but you know, you're, when you're drunk, you get through some stuff. What it's is like the your weirdest? Body just bounces back. It does. No, it's like that, that is, that is the benefit of being so drunk that your body's like a toddler. That's why yes. toddlers are so resilient. Yeah, yeah, because they, they fall don't, over and they just fucking go with it. They don't <laughs> brace for anything. Yeah. When you're mushy, you just can handle the recoil of the floor much when better. Mushy. I, that's exactly it. <laughs> I think that's the term for me blacked out. It's yeah, just yeah. mushy. I'm a real mushy. General, right <laughs> generally can't can't stand or sit properly. Yeah. Just only place you can be is on the floor on a bed. <laughs> what is the weirdest thing you've heard that you've done after a blackout? Oh, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> the weirdest thing, uh, I I don't remember this at all. And this was one night when my roommate happened to be the good one who was somehow relatively coherent at 3 a.m. But this, I, this is a day. Uh, <laughs> it was like a Tuesday. I was in college. Like I said, I was about 45 minutes it's from home. It's always a Tuesday. So, so not too far from home. And I get a call from my girlfriend at the time that they had to put her dog down. And this was like, I mean, I had been with her for probably four years at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I had, you know, would watch the dog when they went away and stuff. So this is like a dog I knew and she was obviously upset. Uh, but the dog was dead already when she called me and mm -hmm. I was just like, all right, so like, do you need anything else? Or like, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't drive home. I was just solely like, you know, when you're at that age, you just get selfish to a point of like, oh, but like I was going to do this today. Yeah. And that's all that mattered to me. And yeah. I was like, I'm I, like, I don't know. I didn't even offer to go see her. I just fucking went to happy hour. <laughs> oh, and that's why I didn't go. It was like, well, we were, uh, we were like leaving the house for happy hour. And I was yeah. like, well, I can't turn back now. <laughs> <laughs> Taco Tuesday. Uh, so we went there for a few hours and then me and my roommate decided to uh, take a taxi over the bridge, over the Hudson river to go to, um, the fuck is that college called new Paltz, another college nearby where I went, mm -hmm. um, got very, very drunk there. And as we were stumbling out of the bar at three or 4 AM, whatever it might've been, um, he has to stop and pee. So he stops to pee on this building. It's a bank. And <laughs> my blackout brain has decided that that's, it's a school and it's the school that's next to where my house is. There was at the time the house I lived in was across the street from a school. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was just, and this is something I've been told I do a ton is I just have no idea where I am, but I am insistent that I know exactly where I am. So like I've before I've gotten groups of friends to like follow me. Like I know the way home. And then like, you're not, we're in the middle of a park and an uh, emptied out in ground pool. <laughs> and they're like, dude, I don't think this is the way. <laughs> So it was one of those times where I just, uh, my brain told me I was, I had never crossed the bridge. I was just in, in my college town partying and I knew where I was. So these cops pulled up, they see 
my roommate peeing. He's coherent enough to like apologize and explain like, uh, you know, I, I just really had to go. I'm sorry. And I was like getting belligerent, like just fucking relax. Like we live right there. And they're like, where? I'm like, next door. We live right there. We're right down the block. And, he, and the cop is like, let me see your ID. He looks at my ID. He's like, this is obviously not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't live anywhere near here. Uh, and I just kept being kind of a dick about it. And he made me read the uh, the patch on his arm. He said, read that for me. And I think he's trying to test if I'm so drunk that I've like forgotten how to read. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I got this. <laughs> and I read it and it says uh, town of New Paltz police. And he's like, so what does that tell you? And I was like, tells me you're out of your fucking jurisdiction. Oh, shit. And they threw me in the car and handcuffed me, threw me in the car. And my roommate proceeded to have to like talk them out of bringing me to jail. But all of this was just, I, I was such a, uh, I'm told I get very insistent in uh, like that. I'm just right about everything. And like, I'm kind of a dick about it. And, yeah. and I was so sure that I was in this other town that I tell this cop, he's not supposed to be working there. Yeah. <laughs> It was a good one. Yeah, um, that's a good one. But like, it's always, it's things like that where I'll just, I'll always say something that gets me in trouble. I think it completely unlocks my like, don't say that button. Oh know? yeah. I think it does that for like, a lot of I people. If I think of something that I think is clever and like, we'll stick it to a person. I'll say it even if it's like mean or a cop that I shouldn't be yeah. saying this shit to. Like there's just, yeah, it turns off that thing that says, yeah, that's funny, but don't say it. Exactly. <laughs> well, and that, that's something that I think I do when I'm blacked out too is, um, which I haven't done, I haven't done this in a long time, but um, I will think I'm being funny. Oh, like yeah. I'll think I'm saying something sarcastic and the person's totally on my <laughs> level. But then I find out later that they were like, why does she hate me yeah, so yeah, much? Yeah. I'll, I'll, be, like, I'll have to like go back and be like, dude, I do I the don't, exact same I don't thing. hate you. I just, I, th I probably in my drunk mind thought that I, that you totally thought that I was being hysterical yeah. and I, I, <laughs> nobody I, gets I did it. that to my, <laughs> I've done that to my best friend for years. <laughs> He's just very, he he's around. very fun to fuck with. <laughs> yeah. But when I get to that point, I always take it too far. And I remember <laughs> he, he's from Staten Island and, uh, we were partying in Manhattan one night and we stayed at my friend's place and I badgered him relentlessly until he left. Like oh he was God. like, he was supposed to stay and hang out for the second night. Like, cause I was only in town for a couple of days and he was like, fuck you. I'm leaving. <laughs> Got up in the middle of the night, went and got on the Staten Island ferry, went fucking home. Oh my and God. to his credit, he is the best friend in the world. I called up and apologized. And I was like, come on, dude, I'm only in town for another night. He got back on the ferry, came back into Manhattan to hang out again. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I promise I won't be awful all night. <laughs> did you have somebody you looked up to a lot growing up? Or did you have, what's your sibling situation? Or uh, I have an older sister and a younger brother. Are either of them funny too? Or was it mostly your dad? Um... My brother's funny, but my brother, I think it came on later like it did with me. Like yeah. We weren't funny as little kids. Uh, you we were, were probably very, weird. Very serious little kids. Were you, yeah, we were. We were weird and uh, we were both a little weird and shy. I think I was more shy than he was. I was afraid of everything as a young kid. Mm -hmm. Like until around fifth grade, I was, uh, I'm going to say it, guys, I was a total pussy <laughs> until fifth grade. <laughs> um, no, I was, I was very like to myself and, and interested in a lot of like, super nerdy stuff. Yeah. But like, I just hadn't figured out what I liked yet. Really. I don't, well, I mean, that's fucking life. I yeah. feel like, <laughs> but I did, I mean, as a little kid, it was definitely my dad for sure because yeah. he was a firefighter and that was cool. So cool. Like that was like, my dad's a hero. What does your lame dad you do? You could bring your like, dad my, to show my and dad tell. could kick your dad's ass. Yeah. Like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and definitely him being funny too was like, I just always, something pulled me towards that. I just saw how much it could engage people. Mm -hmm. Like how, if you made a room full of people laugh, like suddenly it, it just felt like, Oh, everybody here loves him. Uh -huh. And that's not the truth, but that's how it, it felt, felt as a like kid. seeing it. Yeah. yeah. And anybody that you looked up to in your career or when you were starting to think of going into comedy, was there anybody that inspired you to, um, I really, I was always a huge 
uh, George Carlin fan, yeah. even as a little kid, like that was the first comedy I really got into. Interesting. But it was just everything, like not not little, little, but you know, maybe early. Middle, I was like, he's very intelligent for a kid. <laughs> it seemed like everything he was saying was so profound. Yeah. And it was basically, but it like, is. It is, but it was like also not having my own opinions on this stuff yet. It was like he was just preaching Telling the you gospel things. at yeah. me, and I like just soaked it all in and was like, this guy's right about everything. I was immediately very much like anti the man. And like, <laughs> as like a kid, like a, a lower middle class, like good neighborhood, like, yeah. uh, never really faced any, any crazy <laughs> issues, but it was just like, uh, he instilled that, like the government is bad and they're not who you think they are. Yeah. You know, that like conspiracy theorist, but also just the way he made his points were always so funny to me. Right. And that they, they, they just like stuck in me. But, uh, after that, it was like, I absolutely loved Dave Chappelle. I think when I saw Killing Them Softly, his special that he shot in D.C., mm -hmm. um, that was when I was like, I got to at least try this. Because yeah. he, and and he's just the greatest ever, in my opinion. Uh, but that hour is like, I, I still so to good. this day, I don't know if I've ever seen another special that made me laugh that much top to bottom. Like yeah. every joke is great. He's crushing the audience the entire time. And that was like, I think I was probably 18 or 19 when I saw that. And that was just like, all right, I, I have to actually try and do this at some point. And then I drank my way through college and yep. didn't think about it for four years. Well, you kind of, the drinking part is like part of the journey. And that's what I tell people when I, when I started my thought books, which is what ended up leading me into the. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I did a similar, I, I just would write down like, yes, I started realizing that maybe like funny stories, or anecdotes that I had told before could kind of be structured in a way like a joke. Yeah. And I just started writing them. I wrote them down for years before I ever tried stand up, but something made me like just keep track of them. Yeah. And, and, me too. and then I realized, Oh, I have this stuff right here. This is what I can turn into jokes for on stage. Mm -hmm. But it took me from the time I started writing them down to the time I tried, it was probably seven years. Yeah. I was, I was probably about the same or maybe even a little bit longer, but like, I used to write down even stuff from my childhood because when you're when you're young and you're starting out in comedy, you don't have life to really talk about yet. Yeah. So you have to kind of force experiences on yourself, a.k.a. getting drunk and blacking out and yeah, making yeah. stories happen. So you have shit to talk about. Yeah. You like don't have shit to talk about. otherwise. For sure. I think <laughs> like so, so much of me is like, man, I wish I started stand up younger. But I like, also what would you have? I would. I think, you know, purely because I think I would have. The only reason I would have wanted to have started sooner is I would have hit my stride at a time where I was still like relatively young for right. stand up. Instead I think of about that I started too. at like 27. I was instead 25. of like hitting my stride at 27 or 28, yep. I was just figuring it out. Yeah. But it's, I mean it's totally fine. I know I I would have been terrible. Well, and I know what I would have talked about and it wouldn't have been funny. <laughs> it's a big thing where I, you know, I'll get in these certain days and it's definitely something social media can do to us too where you'll see somebody who's a little bit younger having a lot more of a pop. And you're like, oh man, I should have started, but you should have, whatever you can't change, you know? Yes. But it's not worth when I, it, anything to when compare. When I think back on it, like it's, I'm in such a good headspace now. Yeah. It's just, it wasn't my path. Yeah. To, it wasn't your time. Yeah. And, and there are some <laughs> people who are great at a young age and that is so rare. Yeah. And it's crazy to look at them and be like, man, if only I started then, because it probably wouldn't, it wouldn't have went that way for you. No, I mean, you, you hit your stride. You, you gotta be comfortable with yourself at a level of like, I, I don't mean happy with yourself because <laughs> many comics are let's not. Let's just be honest. Nobody's ever. Yes, but like you, you have, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like I would have had no, even when I first started stand up at 27, the first six months or so I was telling some jokes that I look back on now and I'm like, oh my God, no, man, no. that's not you. Like, that's yeah. not who you're supposed to be on stage. We all do that. But I quickly left them behind. Whereas if I was 21, I probably would have kept telling them for five more years. Yeah. It's six months in. I was like, this isn't funny. I shouldn't be saying this. Like, <laughs> this isn't going to work out. Yeah. I keep thinking like I, I talk about that a lot with different comic friends and we go out to drink. We'll talk about even. Cause you know, sometimes some of us don't see each other's sets for a while, even, even though we hang out all the time. Like I, um, I haven't seen my friend Courtney's set in, I don't know, probably like eight months. I haven't seen her. Like, yeah. so I don't know what her latest new things that she's working on are. 
because we're we know we're friends and so we hang out we yeah, don't absolutely. we don't do our bits for each other oh, i mean God. yeah i would die I, <laughs> I any, would, any comics I who do not. that i'm like we cannot be friends I well can't, and i can't do that there with are you. so many times like i um that i don't do a bit because it's a story that i like to do amongst like fr- not a story not like i'm somebody who like hangs on to stories until friends are hanging out but there are certain dinner table conversations yeah. that are that are like, oh, that's a story that's for like a, oh, I remember this time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not a story I want to like turn into something. Yeah, I I've, hang on I've to a lot of I've done that with a few stories and it does make it weird when one of my friends is like, oh, tell so-and-so that story because then I'm like, all right. I'm not just going to sit here and do the joke. The joke, yeah. But uh, yeah, it does make, it makes it weird to tell them. And also I feel like, um, I don't know, for me, I feel like it goes in the opposite direction where usually I'll, I'll say something in a conversation with friends or tell a story in a conversation with friends and realize then like, oh, this could be a joke. Yeah, that's what I usually like will I, do. But usually the other way around, it. like I will avoid doing something that's a joke on stage if I know that it's like... Something because I have like a couple good stories from like traveling and Mm -hmm. stuff that are, but they're just so long. And I'm like, this is just not, nobody else is going to get it. Like, this isn't going to be a joke. And then I feel like weird when it comes up in a conversation because I'm like, oh, I just feel like I'm doing a a bit. And I, and then I have to like insist on telling people this isn't a bit. Yeah. Yeah. But like, (laughs) I feel like you think that, but like most other people probably weren't thinking it. Right. But I do the same thing. I feel guilty if I use any like, recycled thing from stage yeah. in conversation. I know. I'm like, oh, Ew, I know. Am I that g- guy? <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um, let's see where we're at. Where do you have coming up soon that you're super pumped about? Um, what do I have coming up soon? Uh, oh, in uh, January 3rd or 4th, whichever is uh, Friday, uh, we're doing the Tosh Point show in the snow, which is a yearly show we do in a different ski town uh, where me and a couple other comics on the show open up for Tosh. Uh, we're doing Tahoe this year. Uh, I, some theater. I don't know. I, I have no info. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I think it's this night. Like, it's I'm at some going. theater. But if you're if you're in like the Reno Tahoe area, come check that out. It's always a ton of fun. Uh, we always get great fun. turnouts. And he's it's a, a little interesting. Like he he does stand up, of course, but he he'll it's a little more casual. It's a little more like uh, interactive i think so yeah because uh, i haven't seen him go up in quite some time he he still goes up in town but when we're it's really only when he's working on like new stuff yeah because he still does like a maniac when we're in season he'll still go to vegas like one weekend a month and and do shows all weekend yeah uh and then when he's off on hiatus he's usually doing a big tour or at least in the summer yeah off he does that so he's he's still doing a ton of stand-up but locally yeah it's like yeah you'll see him at the improv well a he's bunch going for where like the money is months. you know yeah, yeah. that's the thing and that's the thing we were talking about too before getting on the podcast today is you know it, it's so saturated here like even if you are a huge name like you'll sell out anywhere else you'll sell out in australia you'll sell out in europe you'll sell out in in anywhere in the center of the country but you come to la and new york and it's like yeah. This is just where you come to polish your shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this exactly. is not where you come to make the Like yeah, the if you big... want to if you want to see him in town, just go to the improv and he'll never be on the lineup and he'll just pop up there yeah, a bunch. Yeah, exactly. But that's about it. Yeah, he's He'll just do, bump like, like me off shows. the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he'll, there's so many times that that happens where I'm like, "Oh fuck, I got bumped." Yeah. Yeah, we got bumped. I actually got bumped for Chappelle um like seven months ago before yes, he put out that like, honor. Yeah. Right. He bumped. Yeah. I would he, love it. If someone was like, is it okay? I'd be like, is it okay? He went up second Can and I then bumped him? the entire rest of the lineup and did like over an hour yeah, just right. smoking joints on stage. And, yeah. and he's cool because he doesn't let anybody like tape or film. So yeah. people actually pay the fuck attention. I yeah. love oh, performers or venues that do that because it's amazing because it changes the dynamics. It so changes much. everything. And like, and also there's been studies that have come out recently. I'm not going to quote from where, cause I'm not one of those people. I have no idea where the fuck I read this, but um, if you experience something through your camera lens, your memory of it is much weaker. Yeah. So if you're, if you ask somebody who watched a concert and they didn't video it versus somebody who videoed the whole concert, they remember it completely different. Yeah. Because it's just, it's through a, you know, through a different yeah, perspective. Yeah, I get it. I, I don't understand that at all. And like, I, 
it, it would be so great even, you know, the amount of like bar shows there are here. If, uh-huh. if you charge or if it's a separate room and you're letting people into the room, if somehow we could start the trend of like, you can't have your phone on in here. Yeah. Like, and, and, and make audiences accept that that is how it goes. Yep. At comedy shows, even like, obviously you can't do it when you're doing comedy in a place where people are already and there. you're just ambushing and them yeah. with comedy at a bar. <laughs> but so many bars have separate rooms and I'm just like, man, if you could create that idea, I think it legitimizes your show. It makes it seem a little bit like, oh shit, like this show might have some people popping in that we can't, you can't have pictures or video of. It should just be a thing that people should know to do when somebody's on it's, stage, period. It's crazy that there is no... I agree, but there's no getting back there, right? No, like there's I know. no training you people now. That, and especially with comedy, people don't think, you know, if somebody's playing g- guitar at a coffee house, it's you can talk over it. That's how it goes. Yeah. It's acceptable. Uh, you don't want to be an asshole, but like that's how music is. It's it's I think passive listening. Yeah. And comedy Comedy's isn't, active. but like people think that ah, whatever, they're just doing their thing on stage. They won't care if I'm they just think sitting you can't here scrolling hear them through my too. phone or if we're talking. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, it, it, comedy gets like this kind of treatment of like, eh, it's not, it's not real art. They're just telling yep. jokes. And, and like, I get Whoa. super embarrassed. It takes a lot of time and effort though. Yeah. I get super embarrassed if I'm like sitting in the back of the comedy club and like somebody came to see me perform and I'm already done. And then they come up and try to talk to me because it's usually a person that doesn't realize how loud they sound. Uh-huh. Like the, the shitty kind of whispering that they think yes. is actually whispering. And then you're like trying to pay attention to the other comic because you're like, oh, I don't want to be rude, but you don't want to make this person feel bad. And you're yeah. like, I, I'm such an asshole. I'm letting this person talk to me loud. There should be, I've thought of two apps recently and this sounds like such a black mirror thing, <laughs> but there should be like a digital swear jar, like where you have to like pay a buck to this pool every time you're on your phone in the space you shouldn't be. Yeah. Well, that'd be amazing. <laughs> and then like somebody, I don't know who the fuck wins that, but somebody uh, would <laughs> like the one person who's off their phone for the longest. That's funny. Their lowest screen time of the week would be like, <laughs> wins the money at ding, the end ding, of the ding, week. Ding, ding, ding. You got That's the brilliant. jackpot. Wouldn't I that like be cool? It. Yeah. And then also yesterday I was, um, I was in this Uber and there was this guy, uh, he was, uh, French and I don't know what it is. I, I have this gift of being able to pronounce everybody's name, no matter what country they're from. I'm, so I'm kind of good at that too. Are you good at that and too? I'm weirdly proud of it. Yeah, me too. That was a George Costanza thing too on <laughs> Seinfeld where he was like, Oh, was it? I yeah. didn't remember. Or no, that he one. could spell anyway. He could name. spell. That's yeah. That's what it was. So it's, his name was O L I V E R. And I was like, That's totally French. So I get in the car and yeah. I'm like, Olivier. And yeah. he's like, Oh my God, you can pronounce my name. That's another yeah, yeah. one of my shitty European accents. But like, it's crazy that it's so crazy <laughs> yeah. that he's surprised. Like, why are you surprised? People should be able to yeah, I'm like, look at that name and be like, That's France. a French name. Yep. That's a Olivier. And How many American assholes are getting in his car like, hello, Olivier? <laughs> like, oh, fuck. Are we that dumb Probably as a nation? Probably so like, many. Must be so many. And he oh. was talking about how expensive it is to live here. And I was like, yeah, it's so expensive. And we were talking about like tax brackets. We got into it in our in our seven minute ride. It sounds like it. And we were like, you know, in order to get out of this one tax bracket, you have to make like this much more money because otherwise you just pay more. Tax doesn't feel mm-hmm. like you're making any more money. And you know, we, and, uh, I was like, yeah, we need to, we need to have an app where <laughs> you rate people on niceness and that, that like, determines their tax you practice. can't deduct because otherwise that would just get mean, but yeah, you yeah. only give people like, oh, that person was dope. Let's give them a five star. And then you can like take those nice points and then like go buy shit with it. Like beer, you know, you go to the bar and be like, I got like 15 nice points today. That at least gets me a blue moon. Right. <laughs> that sounds very good in theory. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how businesses would feel Anybody about selling there, beers for stars. Right? Anybody <laughs> out there develop apps, come talk to me because we have some work She's to do. She's the idea person. All right. You got to carry it out. Let's plug your social. Uh, I'm at TK Kelly Comedy on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, and what else? At Movie Night Cast. Um, movie yes. Night Cast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, check us out. We have like 230 something episodes. Fuck got yeah. Plenty to go back to. Come, come check us out. And it's really fun. Comedy it's super fun. And Thank Dwayne, you. Dwayne is amazing. You guys are both amazing Dwayne. writers and I'm excited to see what you guys do and what you sell and all that jazz coming up. Cause oh, I hope so. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, there's no hoping there's doing, there's doing, <laughs> we'll be positive. And I'm at NPH comedy, Natasha Pearl Hansen. You can find me on that at Twitter, on Instagram, at Twitter, I can talk good. Um, <laughs> and you can find me, uh, future role model on Instagram or 
uh, Role Model Pod on Twitter. You can follow the Comedy Pop-Up Network at Comedy Pop-Up or at CPU Podcasts on Instagram. And that's it. That's it. Future Mo- blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I End it like that because that is amazing. <laughs> As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.